Hey, we are in a series right now. Well, we're actually in a year-long theme, to be quite honest with you. We, uh, we as a teaching team, um, came together uh, at the end of last year, about this time last year, and uh, all, all agreed that we wanted to kind of do a single theme throughout the entire year of 2023, and the theme was Come With Me. And so if you're new here today, uh, we just ask that you would sit back and enjoy what God has for you, but let me catch up to speed real quick. In this idea of Come With Me, the thought was um, that Jesus is inviting us into a relationship with him, and all of our life is just a... a a response, really, to that invitation from the Father to uh, go with him. And so uh, we are in the middle of kind of a mini-series in that theme uh, as we are going through the book of Mark, because we as a teaching team thought, hey, it would be a good idea to actually show um, the, everybody, everybody that would hear us, um, how Jesus actually responded to the Father's invitation to follow him. And we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as gospels that um, are just accounts of this relationship that the son had with the father. And as the father invited Jesus to come with him, um, we, we learned that Jesus only did what the father asked him to do. And what an incredible example for us to look up to as a role model in the fact that um, I don't think the father would ask you and I to do anything that he didn't ask the son to do. Does that make sense? And if he's, if he's our hero, if he's our role model, what a great way to kind of, we're kind of wrapping up actually this whole theme as we come to the near end of the year here um, with this idea of how did Jesus respond to the Father's invitation to come with him? And so that's what we've been kind of doing. We've been going through um, two chapters uh, per weekend. We're going to do this all the way through the end of November. And then we'll transition into a little Christmas series. And can you believe we're talking Christmas already? I mean, it's coming fast. It is coming really fast. Um, and so uh, I get the opportunity to share with you chapters Mark 7 and 8. And um, I, I've been wrestling with, I, you know, as a speaker, you want to get up in front of people. And I, I've said this before, uh, but it's so true. You want to get up in front of everybody and you kind of want to give three nice points and a poem to wrap it up really nice at the end. Um, but as you're reading through uh, the book of Mark, you will see that uh, not even one chapter has three points in a little poem at the end. Jesus is all over the place. And he goes, bounces back and forth, and, and he's over here, and I'll show you on a map just in, in a few minute, minutes where he went and, and all the different places he, he went. Um, and so um, are you guys okay if we bounce around a little bit? Yeah. We're going to kind of bounce around in chapter 7 and 8, kind of go back and forth a little bit. Um, and my heart is that the Holy Spirit, as I'm speaking, would capture or seize your heart and maybe um, deposit something that maybe you never knew. Or maybe something that God wants to convict you with and challenge you with. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to be doing this morning. And I hope that you will join the ride here. Um, most of you know, but I'm seeing a few new faces here this morning. Uh, we are interactive. And so that means that from time to time, we actually have prompts in the middle of the message where we will pass the microphone around. We don't make anybody speak. Um, it's voluntarily. Con completely voluntary, uh, but here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to open up here with a word of prayer, and I'm going to ask that God would use me. Um, would you invite the Holy Spirit to, first off, speak to you and to give you thoughts about uh, these two chapters? And number two, 
would you, um, would you be bold enough and courageous enough to allow the Holy Spirit to come? And if he prompts you to share in, in parts of these interaction portions, would you be so bold as to, as to interact with us and, and share what you feel like the Lord is, is speaking to you and showing you? And so um, we truly believe that, you know, church on the weekend should be a family experience and that we should all participate and we should all be involved in that. Um, and I, you know, from the very beginning of Shine Church, just over five years ago, I really felt like the Lord spoke directly to me not to be a talking head, but that we should be actively involved in this together. And so I pray that you would be open for that. So let's, let's pray. Father God, I just come to you and I invite you in, into this place. We know that you are here, but help us to just be so present of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I come before you right now, and I thank you so much for your invitation to follow you, to come with you into what you are inviting us into. And so, Lord, we open our hearts and our minds right now to receive from you. And Lord, I pray that you would communicate through me your heart. Lord, as I often pray, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase in me and that from this moment forward, any words that I speak would be directly led by your spirit and would be nothing of damn. God, I desire to communicate your heart to those listening to me right now. And so with that in mind, God, I know if these people hearing me right now are anything like me, that they want to follow you. They want to grow in you. They want to be your disciple. And they look back at this week and they probably think of moments where they did that well. But again, if they're anything like me, they look back and see areas where they just totally left you behind. And so God, we ask your forgiveness, first of all, for that. And God, we ask that you would help us to be more in tune with your Holy Spirit right now and the throughout this week than we were last week. And God, we desire that you would do something supernatural in our hearts this morning. And so we open our hearts, we open our minds, we ask that you would challenge us, give us the boldness and the confidence to step into the things that you have for us. And God, we look forward to how you're going to speak to us. And so Lord, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for this word and we love you we praise you. And we give you this service in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. All right, I am going to start with the end of chapter eight. Like I said, we're gonna bounce around a little bit. Um, and so I'm gonna start with Mark chapter eight. I'm gonna read five verses. Um, and here's my heart and my hope. Um, as I'm reading through these verses, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would um, give you divine thoughts as I'm reading through this. And so I'm going to ask, I have a couple of mic runners. I'm gonna ask when I get done with these five verses um, that you would be bold to share maybe some thoughts or the things that kind of struck your heart, anything that resonated with you as I'm reading through these verses. So you willing to do that? Okay, like five of us. You willing to do that? All right, Holy Spirit, speak to us as we read the word. Mark chapter eight, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must dis deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? 
Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I'm going to read it one more time. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Okay. What came to mind? What thoughts come up as I was reading through those words? Uh, what, what ideas jumped off the screen or off the pages as you were following along? By the way, if you scan the QR code, you can follow on your phone. There's a section for the notes, and you can follow along with that. Um, but if someone would be bold enough to get us going, I have no doubt that it'll, it'll keep going. So who will go first? All right, if you would state your name so everybody would know, and I'm going to, your name is Elijah, right? Yeah. And this is your first time visiting? Yeah. And you're grabbing the mic as the first person? Give this man a hand right here. This is awesome. Thanks, Elijah. Thank you. Um, When reading those verses, uh, it really called to me because we live in a fleshly and sinful world, and to be one with Jesus Christ, we have to deny ourselves, which a lot of people struggle with, I've struggled with in the past, and I'm okay to say that, but it is so, so beautiful once you reach the end goal and you are able to be with Christ. That's so good. I love it. Thank you, Elijah. That's so good. Uh, Since you brought that up, real quick, how many of you in this room want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Okay, just about everybody raised their hand. Now, real quick, how many of you want to deny yourself? I got three, like, partial hands. Uh, How many of you want to take up your cross? Okay, again, three partial hands. And I think one of them was counting somebody. So, (laughs) Ryan. Um, So, Elijah, you actually bring up a a great point. It's funny because I think we all want to be disciples. Absolutely. And Jesus himself is saying here, if you want to be a disciple, you need to deny yourself. Could it be, church, that God is asking us to have a heart that if this question is ever asked again, who wants to deny yourself? Everybody goes, yeah. Okay, just because you say amen, um, <laughs> this, this, is a great, this is a great challenge for all of us. And to be quite honest with you, this may be the only thing you hear this morning. And I'm totally okay with that. Um, but Jesus said, if we want to be a disciple, which all of us said that we want to be, we must deny ourselves and we must carry a cross. And I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, but he promises actually life because of that. And I would submit that this section of scripture is saying that when we don't do that, we're actually not living in life. Would you agree? So real quick, how many of you want to deny yourselves? Okay, still, you know. Well, let's try it again. How many of you want to deny themselves? 
Okay, I was still a little hesitant on that, but this is good. All right, other thoughts? Other thoughts about this scripture right here and then right here? Um, I was just thinking on what you said at the very beginning that um, the father didn't ask the son to do anything. Lizzie, <laughs> you said that the, yep. he didn't ask the son to do anything that he he, he didn't. Won't. He wouldn't ask us to do anything, anything that, that he, didn't he didn't ask, ask the son. son to do. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I was just, as I'm reading this and you're talking, that was the essence of what Jesus did, was mm. he denied his deity, like the essence of who he is. He humbled himself completely, came to earth, took up his cross yes. for us. And so, um, and I was just thinking even the, <laughs> the bridge of... The first song we sang um, was all about, um, like, I'll, I will take up my cross because death is just a doorway to resurrection life, mm -hmm. etc. And so um, I was just making that connection of the worship during, you know, to this. So um, I just love that Jesus never goes and asks us something so bold. I mean, he's like, that's an intense paragraph yes, there. It is. You know, that he's like, listen, like, lay your life down, because that's what he was planning on doing, you know? That's really good. And so he never goes, he never asks us to go somewhere that he hasn't already gone or shepherded. You know, that's why he's the good shepherd, is because he, everywhere that he asks us to go, he's already gone to that place, whatever it. it might be. That's so good. So. And I'm going to actually talk about that in just a minute, so it's really good. Uh, just right here. Uh, my name is Amy. Um, she kind of hit on what I was thinking about. We've been, in my own life, been on this journey of studying humility. Mm. And um, Desiree touched on it a little bit that in his, he was humble. And um, really humility is emptying ourselves of, of us so that he can be all. And oh, that's really what... Um, what laying your life down is. And it's nothing we can do in ourselves. We don't even yeah. have the ability to do it. But through him, he's everything. So yeah. it's, That's so we, good. we can't do it through our flesh. It has to come through the spirit. Yes. I, Amy, as you're, you're talking, the thoughts that come to my mind is this time last year, um, God was wrecking me. I don't know if you, if you guys remember this because I shared it a little bit, but God was just wrecking me about my motive. And my reasons for doing things. And that humility is, is so key to that. Because if, if we're not open to receive um, what Jesus was, which was direction from the Father, right? And the humility to follow that, follow that um, what happens then is we do things based on our own motive. And this, as I was reading through chapter 7 and 8, I, I was just reminded of that challenge from the end of last year and even the beginning of this year. Um, what is my motive? And man, when you think about that for just a minute, if you just take yesterday and think about what you did and why you did it and then line it up with God, I don't know if you're like me, but um, it's, it doesn't look real good. <laughs> it, it doesn't look real good because most of the time I'm just going on my own, on my own flesh, but the humility to just always be following the Father, just so good. <clears throat> Uh, my name's Todd. Uh, kind of not as much on theme, uh -huh. but w what struck me there was 
He said, whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sin, uh, sinful generation of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. Um, and it just, I found myself from time to time uh, and, and making excuses or apologies for some of the things that Jesus has said that seemed really harsh because <laughs> um, he was definitely very, very strong in, every, in everything that he said. Um, including this paragraph. Including <laughs> this paragraph and just different different things where he just obviously, you know, the world around us talks about Christians being intolerant and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. um, just finding that, like, uh, you know, wanting to, knowing that I need to just even at least in my own life just take a stand for, for what I know to be true and, yeah. and the righteous you know, word of God. So. Yeah. Um, I, I contemplated um, what I should teach about this. Um, and and felt like the Holy Spirit had me not go to that last section about being ashamed and, and having him be ashamed. But I would encourage you, um, read through these chapters because we're not going to get into all of it. Uh, read through these chapters and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about these things. Are there times, are there areas where maybe uh, you've, you've been ashamed a little bit? So uh, I know I got one here, one here, and then one right here, and then we'll move on. My name is Luke, and... Uh Kind of on with what Todd was talking about, but a different view is, uh, for me, some of the times that I've found it the most hard is uh, the ashamed part, but not ashamed as in I'm embarrassed to say it. It's the courage to stand up for what's right because mm. of how much ridicule or how much persecution you can get. And <clears throat> kind of to what they were saying before, I mean, what did Jesus deal with yes. <laughs> when he stood up for yeah. it? So, it's not necessarily always like a pride thing or like, oh, I want myself to be yeah. the throne. It's I'm terrified of what may come because I'm standing up for this and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. And I find myself thinking as you're saying that, Luke, that there's a pendulum swing on that because there's some people that stand up so strong that they do it in an incorrect way. And so they need to be asking themselves, how do I stand up for this thing in a Jesus heart? And then the swing the pendulum the other way where uh, people aren't standing up for the word of God and what the word says at all. And they need to be challenged with, hey, what does the word say about this thing? And how do I stand up for that? Um, so it kind of captures everybody no matter where they are in that pendulum swing. Yes? That's really good. I, I'm Tyrone. I wanted to, uh, I had an interesting thought I wanted to share is thank goodness that other people deny themselves such as you and Kim, we wouldn't be here. And, and I sometimes think about at some point years ago, you, uh, both of you could have went into a direction of career and corporate and the world and so forth, and you guys are like the un unsung heroes to deny yourself, and that's inspirational for, for me. And it, think about it, if, if, if pastors didn't deny themselves, then what would happen? So thank you, and uh, uh, appreciate that. Thank you, Tyrone. Um, thank you. I don't even know what to say about that. Wow. Sometimes I don't feel like I've done much in the inner area of de denying. And then other times we wish we would have gone into the secular world. <laughs> uh, Um, well, mine's kind of short, but... Um, What's your name, sir? Oh, my name is Noah, and I just feel like the thought I get from that is him saying, we can't have it if we're not 
like willing to give up everything and like if we're full of ourselves then we can't have it and that's kind of just Ooh. mic drop from noah interesting in this section of scripture it says a couple times whoever wants whoever wants it, the question is who do is this what you really want whoever wants to be a disciple you guys all raised your hands to that but do we want what it costs do we want what it costs and that is something that I can't help you with. It's something that you are going to have to wrestle with God. And I pray that you would take this message, this paragraph right here, and that you would truly weigh it for what it means. Will you deny yourself? Will you take up your cross? Justin talked last week about the fact that Jesus led an example of being interrupted. Are you willing to? Interruption is a form of denying yourself, yes? Letting God interrupt your life in order to accomplish the thing that he's created for you, yeah? All right, Peter's raising his hand, and just because if he speaks, Mostly I know this is going to be good. Mostly because I've been taking like a year of not talking here for a sabbatical for a while. So one, and then I was like, I'm not going to interrupt because Noah's the last. And then you're like, interruption. And I'm like, sorry, Dan, you're going to you're gonna have, have to, to practice what right. you're preaching right now. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, so again, it's been a long time. My name is Peter. Um, and honestly, it's funny, Noah, you said something. And I was like tempted to raise my hand the whole time. And then what you said was so powerful. And it was, you said, we're so full of ourselves and that we can't do that. And my whole thing is like cause and effect. And so I think so often we think that the cause and effect is so backwards. And we know like God's God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Everything is backwards, and everything is not what we perceive. And so in his kingdom, we're not, or like, we're not even capable of living that way unless we are full of him. So when we're full of ourselves, we think like, oh, I need to lay down my own stuff, and I need to pick up my cross, when in reality, kind of like 1 John 4 talks about we can't even love unless he's in us. And it's this concept that, like, it is only because the cause of him, he first loved so we can love. If we try to do so that we can gain something, we already are doing it wrongly. So to, to answer your question and say, yeah, I want to be, I want to lay my life down and I want to give up my desires is something we're not even, as human beings, I don't think we're capable of doing. It's only because of the Holy Spirit and God in us that allows us to do that action. And so if we're full of ourselves and trying to achieve something, we're already doing it opposite of what God has asked us to do. That's so good. All right. Okay, Amy wants to interrupt too. But before Amy speaks, um, all right, so here, here's the thought that I had as Peter was sharing that. Um, okay, real quick, again, show of hands. I know it's a little redundant, but please do this with me. How many of you want to be a disciple of Christ? Okay, let me change the second question then. How many of you are willing to allow the Holy Spirit to show you an area where you need to deny yourself? Okay, much better, yes? And that is what God is asking us to do. He's asking us to be so in tune to the Father. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do, right? He didn't go around deciding where, where he was gonna deny, deny himself. He only denied himself where the Father told him to. And if we're willing to do that, that brings a lot of life and freedom to it, yes? Amy. Um, so another thing I was just thinking about with that is some, so many times when we're talking about denying ourselves, it's like this, oh, 
I've got to deny myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the wrong perspective because it's like you're not giving up the best thing. <laughs> you're giving up the worst thing to get the best thing. And it talks about delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when your heart is aligned with his desires, you're not, you're not, oh my gosh, I'm giving up this thing. It's you're, you're, you're getting the best thing. Love it. I, okay. You guys, you guys are awesome. There's such wisdom in this room and it's so good. It's so life-giving. Um, well done. Just, just well done. Continue to let the Holy Spirit just speak to you because he, he gives you these revelations. He gives you this insight. And you don't have to come to a church service on a weekend to get it. You can get this just reading through the word, just asking the, the Lord to show you these things. Really, really good. I'm so, I'm so proud to be part of this family. It's just so awesome. Um, here's what jumped out to me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Mike Runners, you have a couple minutes here, so you can go ahead and sit back down. All right. Um, for whatever reason, that kind of jumped off the pages when I was reading it. And so I, I looked up the word life. What, do, what does the word life? So for instance, love, um, there's three or four different Greek words that we translate in English as love. Well, guess what? Same thing with life. There's different Greek words that we translate as life. In this section of scripture, the word life there is the Greek word suke. We kind of get psychology from that. Does that make sense? And here's what the definition of the word is. It's to breathe, the soul, and here's was what really caught me. It's a person's distinct identity, their unique personhood. An example, it's their individual personality. So let me read this one, one more time with this understanding. For whoever wants to save their distinct identity, their unique personhood, their individual personality will lose it. And whoever loses their distinct identity, personhood, or personality, for me, or for the gospel, will save it. Now, we have four pillars out there in the coffee bar area, um, if you've ever gone out there. The first one is engage, that we are to engage with God and one another. The next one is to identify, understand who God has called us to be, understand our identity in him. The third one is to be empowered in the gifting and the calling that he's called us to do. And ultimately, if those three are in operation, then we will multiply into a hurt and lost world, Yes. Well, this particular section of scripture, I would submit, fits right into that second pillar of identity. Who are you? And whose interpretation of who you are are you living from? Meaning this, are you living from your fleshly understanding of who you are? You know, the one where you stand at the mirror and you don't like what you see, the one that gets upset, that don't, doesn't think you're worthy? Um, there's many of us, if not all of us, that live from that distinct identity. Yes? And what God wants to do is he wants to replace that distinct identity with the distinct identity that he made you for. You are created, church, with a purpose and a plan. The word of God says you were fearfully and wonderfully made and knit in your mother's womb, that he knows the number of hair on your head, that the purpose and plan that he has for your life, there's so many of them, 
that you can't even imagine how many there are. Do you think about yourself that way? Not usually, thank you for being honest. Not usually. Well, here's what really impacted me. Our theme verse for this is Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Interesting, that word life is suke. So get the picture. Jesus Christ gave up his distinct identity so that we could understand what ours is. Okay, there should have been a much better amen here. I'm going to say it again. Jesus gave up his distinct identity in order that we could understand and comprehend how God created us to be. All right, we are supposed to stay in the book of Mark, but I'm going to jump outside of the book of Mark and read Philippians real quick. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay? He wants you to have the same mindset as Jesus. That's kind of the disciple piece of this, right? Who, being in very nature God, there was his distinct identity, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Mm. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you thought about yourself as nothing? And it says, Jesus made himself nothing. Why? So that we wouldn't have to have those thoughts. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Church, I would submit to you. I'm going to say something that's pretty bold right now. Please receive it in the heart that it's being given. I would submit to you this, that if we are not taking time to ask the Father who we are and how he sees us and how he created us, if we're not taking the time to listen to that voice and to hear what he has to say about us, we actually discredit or insult the gift that Jesus gave us on the cross. You okay? And I don't want to be that way, and yet so much of my day-to-day life, I am that way because I just decide to go through my life however I think is best. And the truth is, man, when I live from that place, I hurt people, I hurt myself, and I don't get much done. But when I live from the place of what God created me to be and have that understanding, it's absolutely amazing the productivity I have and the impact that I make in this world. Yes? And so I would submit to you that, man, what Jesus is saying here is, hey, you know what? I want you to understand who you are in me. And I gave my life so that you could receive that understanding. And so go to the Father, church, and ask him how he sees you. And then wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and proclaim that over you and not what the world is saying about you or what you would say about yourself. Amen? Okay, so much good stuff in here. Uh, Okay, 
So Jesus, you know, one of the things that we've been presented in the last three weeks before this weekend is the fact that Jesus came to serve, not to serve, not to be served. And that's such a paradoxical thought. Um, Again, in being very nature, God, he came not to be served, but to serve. And then he did things in such a way that it just didn't make sense. And he was busy doing that. So real quick, I'm going to show up a map here. Um, we're going to pick up just in these two chapters. I just want to give you a picture of how busy Jesus was. Um, he started chapter 7 in Genesaret. So where that little arrow where number 3 is, kind of bottom third of the page. Then he went up to Tyre. Then he went up to Sidon. Then he went down to the Decapolis. Then he went to Dom, Dalmanutha. Then he went over to Bethsaida. Second picture. Then he went from Bethsaida up to Caesarea Philippi. All in these two chapters. All in these two chapters. So Jesus didn't just stand around. He served by going from place to place. And what's very interesting is every single one of these places, we get this little story about what Jesus did. I'm sure he did more than what we have recorded, but there's at least just one little story about each one of these places. And so Jesus was incredibly busy serving. And so I want to share just a couple things, because I think one of the areas that Jesus served is not only in what he did for the people around there, but I think he served us in what he taught We've been talking about a lot of the things that he did for people, right? And how we can impact our lives today. But I would submit that one of the things that he did is he served through teaching. And so I want to read a story. And again, we'll have a little bit of interaction um, through this story. Uh, But I'm going to go back to chapter 7 now. And I'm going to start in verse 1. This is a little bit of a lengthy section of scripture. Um, and again, I'm just going to ask, what, what jumped out to you? What came to mind as I was reading through this story? Verse 1, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Anybody who's a little bit of a germaphobe was like, ooh, gross. The Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles, some translations say, and couches. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Listen to this verse. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, okay, what is Corbin? It says here that is devoted to God. But if you look that word up, it's a gift to God. So basically they're saying, hey, what I was supposed to give to my mom and dad, no, I'm going to give to God as a gift is basically what Jesus is saying to them. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. 
And Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within. Out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. All right, Mike Runners, if you wouldn't mind getting back up. What comes to mind as I read through that? Thoughts that came to mind. My name's Joshua. Um, one of the thoughts that came to mind was as, as you just got done f- uh, speaking about denying ourselves in that passage, and it, it, was, all, it was hard for us to raise our hands. Uh, uh, obviously, we have a lot of confusion on what it means to deny ourselves um, because uh, according to this chapter, when you just got done reading the story, in a religious context, um, there was a lot of extra rules that were not of God. Hmm. And so from my own background what it meant to deny yourself was all of these really crazy rules that weren't, weren't what God was saying and, and had nothing to do with what Jesus was teaching on, on self-denial, but was, you know, like, well, you can't drink coffee and you can't drink this and you can't wear this and you need to have your hair parted this way uh, or else you are with the devil and, and on his team. And it was preached in that context. And so mm, that's the yeah. first thing that comes to my mind after seeing Jesus' comments in chapter 8 to now him saying, like, look, you guys have added all these extra rules just for your own. It actually was for their own self-pleasure. It was actually for their own uh, self-righteousness. Right. But it was this self-denial, right? I'm cleaning my couches and cleaning my hands and cleaning my cups and cleaning my – and forcing everyone else to do the same thing yeah. that, like, created this nightmare and so that's where my heart and mind goes uh, when you ask, like, I think the hesitation we had in, in, in raising our hands saying we want to deny ourselves is we don't really know what that means because man-made religion has <sighs> misconstrued that so deeply. Yep. My, heart's, my heart's like a train wreck of my past, uh, of what it really means. Like, how do I deny myself or, and what rules are the right roads? Yeah. Anyway, no, that's so good. that's just where my thoughts so, went. So to, to Peter's point, right? Um, if you're doing self-denial and denying things you think you should deny, it can get us in trouble, yeah? And I know I grew up in a, um, in a religious system, belief system, at least if, you know, the Catholic parish I went to. They did all kinds of things that I didn't quite understand. And why, why are we doing this? And it didn't make sense to me. And it was because it was a lot of man-made rules, and I never could find them in the Word. Um, Oh, no. Okay. I think it's just, like, um, cool that Jesus, like, had the uh, courage to tell them that they were just manipulating and, like, being hypocrites. And it's just, like, crazy because, like, you see it and they say, like, wash everything. But then, like, I don't, I can't really explain it, but it was really 
like true, I guess. I don't know how to say it. But like all food is clean. It's just what comes from the inside that is bad. And I just, I totally agree with that. That's awesome. By the way, Noah will be hanging out in the back of the room afterwards if you would like to get some more wisdom from him. Noah, awesome. Very good. Keep, keep sharing. Any, anybody else? I just think of religion versus relationship. Thank you. Like, I feel like that's the essence of the Lord's like, cause, and we get in the habit of like, oh, this is what I should do. Even like offering, like, you know, or um, showing up to church or these things that are really beautiful that we get in this like ha- habitual place and then it's no longer based in love and passion for Jesus and seeing his kingdom yeah. advance, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's what I... good. Many of you know my testimony, but just to make sure everybody's on the same page, um, I grew up Catholic and then uh, I stepped away from that belief system because I couldn't line up with everything that I was being taught. It just didn't make sense to me. So I stepped away um, and started um, just to live however I wanted to. And a friend came into my life and he simply said what Desiree just said, which is this. He said, Dan, God doesn't want religion from you. He just wants a walking, talking relationship with you. And I could not let that thought go. It just spun around in my head. It ruminated, ruminated um, until I kind of made a deal with God and he came through and I can't give you the whole text, but I gave my heart to the Lord and it was absolutely amazing. But it's, it's God doesn't want religion from us. He wants relationship. Um, and so that's just really good. Right here? My we, name got, is we got two more. My name is Sherry Harris. And, um, I, you know, I grew up in the church, so it's kind of retrospective. You see the whole picture from mm-hmm. creation to redemption to revelation. And then you read the, this verse that says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, like as if that had already happened. But then going into the thought of this is in real time, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. So, you know, Peter had just... Uh, rebuke Jesus for telling them that he's going to go through the passion, basically. You know, he didn't want him to die or whatever. And and then Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, addressing Peter, but talking to the devil, because the devil, I guess, was tempting him through Peter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Because he knew it was going to be hard. Um, he said, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. And then that's when he called to the crowd, called the crowd to him with his disciples and said to them, if anyone would come after me. And and it's more recently that I, I thought, what were they, like Jesus said that. He hadn't been crucified yet. There were people being crucified. They were criminals. That's how they did their executions. What, what did the people think when he said this? What did the disciples even think? You know, I still have the question. That's what I'm... <laughs> Yeah. You know? Well, I, we're going to get to that in just a minute, if, if time permits. But I, I, I mean, clearly Peter thought not. You're not going to die that way. I mean, it says that Peter pulled him aside and rebuked Jesus. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, Dan? Yeah. Um, so many thoughts from the last two things here. Yeah. But specifically what... Um, sorry, I'm trying to just quickly put them together. The uh, the thing that strikes me more than anything was Jesus, when he walked the earth, was hardest on those that you would think were coming hardest after him. 
Mm. He was the harshest with the religious rulers. I mean, he, he had grace for everybody else who you would think would be the furthest from him, but he was the hardest after those that, were, that would have been stereotypically mm. that the culture would have said was coming after him. Um, and that messes me up a little bit. So <laughs> over the last year, just been, just been praying and asking God, you know, where, like, there's, anyways, where am I deceived? What's, what's the religious spirit that, that I carry around that I don't want to? And, and show me, you know, because you wouldn't know unless somebody showed you. Yeah. Deception, you're not going to know unless it's illuminated. Yep. Um, and I, I guess, like, I was, I was uh, listening to a YouTube guy. He's, a, uh, he was, he's ex-Amish. So coming out of that kind of order of strict religious belief and, um, and just his joy, his extreme joy in the freedom that he found in, in the gospel and mm. in the biblical Christ. Yeah. And it, it really was causing me to say, what am I missing in parts of this? Where am I off? Yeah. Anyways. That's good. Okay. And then Mark West wants it too up here. All right. Uh, I'm Joanne. Uh, with kind of what Desiree was saying with like the should of things and like the human or like fleshly traditions, I feel like someone often it's like, well, I should clean my house or I should look this way or my house should look like that, or my kids should look like this, and it just... Wait a second. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I know, I? exactly. <laughs> okay. And then this saying that my mother-in-law told me once, is she says, don't should on yourself. And so I feel like that just is replaying because so much you put this I should on me when really that's not what Jesus is giving you the freedom to be in him. Yeah. Okay, just in case you just kind of jumped in there attention-wise, she said, don't should on yes, yourself. Yes, I okay? make that very clear. <laughs> she didn't say anything. That's, that's, that's really good. Wes? Or, oh, Lindsay. I'm Lindsay. Um, what, what jumped out to me in this passage was the way he spoke. <laughs> so, like, everything is data. And so, like, he, even in the way he is speaking is a good example for us on like, here's where you can start to get a little firm with people. <laughs> like here's where mm. I, I think like w what, what we were talking about, that pendulum, right? This is a good um, plumb line <laughs> of like, yeah. there is a time and a place to be firm with people and to speak in truth and in love but also be a little sassy. <laughs> so it's interesting that you said, I was going to not say anything uh, this morning about this, but I, here's what's interesting in chapter 7 and 8. Uh, he called the Pharisees hypocrites. He called the disciples dull. In the next story, which we won't get into, but he called the woman a dog. He calls, basically, and he didn't necessarily call Peter Satan, but he basically said, Satan, get behind me, speaking to Peter. I'm sure Peter walked away and went, did he just call me Satan? Um, so I, I'm not sure if he was a little frustrated or if, to your point, he just was saying some, some things pretty strong because he wanted people to grab their attention. I, I'm not 100% sure why, but you're absolutely right. There's some tone and some verbiage that should catch your attention in regards to what Jesus is doing here. And you're right, there are times to be bold about what the Word of God says. Um, yeah, so I'm Wes. This whole passage, well, the whole message in and of itself is kind of breaking me because the idea of 
like ritual that the Pharisees had. Um, like we all look at it, and we're like, okay, well, these guys were like trying to honor like six hundred something rules, and it's like ridiculous, and like you'd obsess over that. So no wonder they're not really leaning in on, <clears throat> excuse me, leaning in on a relationship with God. They're leaning in on these rules, and I'm like, these guys are idiots. Um, and then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm really structured, and I have to have like a, a engineering system for everything I do, including religion, right? Including my relationship with God. And I'm like, okay, well, I have to read my Bible every morning. And whether I understand what I just read, at least I did it. And then, you know, I have to pray in this certain way. And I have to do, like, I have all these rhythms. And it's part of how I operate just on a regular basis, just my personality. And I'm like, man, so you're, you're saying these things. We're reading these verses. And I'm like, I'm a Pharisee. Like, I'm a total Pharisee. Like, this is, this is, absolutely unacceptable because really what I'm hearing out of this is like what God wants is he's like, man, you guys are dull. Like you don't, you don't get it. Like it's not about the rules. It's about you understanding what the rules were there for, not because they were just rules that we were supposed to follow. So if we understand what the rules were there for, then we can have that relationship with God because the rules were placed in love, not out of just like strict guideline. Yeah. That's good, Wes. Sounds like you are shooting on yourself a little bit, but <laughs> every day, yeah. every now and then. But no, no, no. I, Wes, I appreciate your vulnerability and the fact that you would be willing to share that. And my heart and my hope is that every person in this room, or anybody listening to me online right now, would would take what he just said and really weigh that out. What have we created in our lives? that are human traditions. Two verses that really jumped out, Mark 7, 8. You have let go of the commands of God and you are holding on to human traditions. What, what human traditions are you holding on to? We don't have enough time, but I was gonna pass the mics, uh, but just think about these things. What human traditions have we put in place and, and maybe stepped away from the commands of God. And here's where it gets difficult. You know, it says that God led the Israelites by fire at night and cloud during the day. And whenever he moved, the Israelites moved with them, with him. And I would submit that God does that in our lives too. He commands us to do one thing for a certain season, but then he moves and he starts new commands for our lives. And we get stuck in the old commands. Yes? Okay, so for instance, could a human tradition at Shine Church be the interaction? Okay, I feel like God has given us directive, a command, if you will, to interact and to have the feedback. But if I lean more on the interaction than tapping into God, then I have replaced his commands for a tradition, yes? How about the entire weekend church service? Okay, by the... By no means am I saying not to come next weekend. Well, actually, don't come next weekend. It's house church. But in two weekends, I'm not saying, oh, if Dan said that that was a human tradition, I'm not going to go anymore. But even the church service that we have on a weekend, I don't know if I see it in the Word of God. I know we're supposed to gather. I know we're supposed to fellowship. And that's why we do this. And this is why it was put together. But could we get stuck into the human tradition of things and miss God? The Pharisees got so stuck into the laws and regulations that they were doing, they missed the Messiah they were proclaiming was coming. Don't miss God. I, you know, 
The pastor that I was under for 19 years used to say, um, so many times we lose Jesus in church. We lose Jesus in church. Second verse, Mark 7, 13, thus you nullify the word of God. Oh, those are strong words. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like this. Um, I know we like to point at the Pharisees as we read through this story and go, oh man, those guys is, what's it, are a bunch of idiots. But to your point, they us. I wonder if Jesus walked into the church buildings of today, if he would embrace what we're doing or if he would go, you hypocrites, or somewhere in between. What would it be like? And so I think Jesus was serving us here by teaching us something. And he was teaching us, don't let human traditions take the place of God's commands. Don't let the shoulds take the place of what God is asking us to do. And I think a lot of times we assume what we should do. And I'm challenging you and I'm begging you and I'm pleading with you to replace them with what God is telling you to do. Jesus said, I only do what the Father told me to do. It's funny because people tell me all the time, Jesus healed everybody. That's not necessarily true because he walked away from crowds from time to time. There were full of people that needed healing and he would cross to the other side. He only did what the Father told him to do. Um, I'm not going to get into this last part of my, my notes here. Um, so let me just summarize real quick. Right before the section of scripture in chapter eight, and uh, it was referred to, um, we have the story of Jesus telling or asking the disciples, who do you say I am? And, or who do people say? And they gave all kinds of different answers. And then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And if you have been in church at any length of time, you know that Peter said, you are the Messiah. And Jesus in the book of Mark just simply says, okay, don't tell this to anybody else. In other gospels, we know that he says, hey, on this revelation, I build my church. But in regards to Mark, he just really quick said, okay, great. Now don't tell anybody else about this. Then immediately it transitions, and we don't know if there's a gap in there or if he went right into it, but he went right into, okay, you said that I'm Messiah. Let me tell you what's going to happen to Messiah. And he says how he's going to die. And Peter pulls him aside, and it says that he rebukes Jesus. Jesus looks at his disciples and then tells Peter, and rebukes Peter, actually, the word says, get behind me, Satan. All right, let me read those two verses. Um, Mark 8, 29. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And they said, Messiah. And then Mark 8, 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Okay, I would submit to your point here that you could take the first section in chapter seven that we read and you could take this section right here and you could put them together. And here we have Peter that in one moment has the heart of God and in the very next minute has the heart of man. Anybody relate? Anybody relate? Read through these two chapters. Read all the other amazing stuff that went on here. But in that particular story, put yourself in the shoes of Peter. Why did he do that? 
And I would submit that maybe he answered the question that Jesus asked right, and he got positive feedback, and he's like, oh, man, I'm so good at hearing God. And then Jesus started talking, and he's like, oh, no, Jesus, you're wrong. Let me tell you how it is. And Jesus is like, oh, dude, what is wrong with you? Get behind me. You have, in, you have in your heart not the things of God, but you have in your heart the things of man. And then he pulled everybody together and gave the discourse that we read at the beginning of this. Where are you? Are you feeling like you're hearing God real well? Be careful. Don't get too prideful. Because I wonder if Peter was just like, man, I'm okay. I've got it. I've got it all put together. And then the next thing he said, nope. (laughs) And I know that's my life. I'll have a good moment and I'll be tapped in. Maybe God is totally leading me. And then the next words out of my mouth, totally from my flesh and not being led by the spirit. And the goal as a disciple is to be led by the Spirit, yes? It's to be led by the Spirit. Interesting little piece here about that word rebuke. It means to honor. Look it up in the Greek. It means to honor. It's a a warning to prevent something from going wrong. Parents get this because they rebuke their kids. Why? They're honoring their kids with warnings. I don't know if I would have described Jesus' rebuke in that way, but as you read that word, all of a sudden it brings a new light to that, yeah? He's going to Peter, hey, listen, I'm honoring you with an understanding that where you're going is in the wrong direction right now. You have the heart of man and not the heart of God here. And isn't that the goal, church, is that we would have the heart of God? as a family, as a group of believers. It kind of came up in some of the interaction, but I would, I would challenge each one of us in this room. If you don't have somebody in your life that can push back on you a little bit, I think, I think Daniel talked about it. I, the, the fact is, if, if we're deceived, we don't know we're deceived. If we're not believing right, if we're in line with Peter and have the heart of man and not the heart of God, How are you going to know that unless somebody is allowed to come and show you where you might be off a little bit? Yes? All right, I'll finish with this. I, again, don't have time to go into the whole story, but Mark chapter 8, verse 15. They get in a boat, and it says that they only had one loaf of bread with them. It doesn't say that they were talking about that, but it just had one loaf. And in verse 15, Jesus said these words, Be careful. Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And the disciples went into this whole thing. Oh my gosh, does Jesus know that we didn't bring bread? And and Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you guys, did you not see me feed 5,000 people? Did you not see me feed 4,000 people? Do you not get it? Are you? And so they go into this whole dialogue. But in the middle of that, I think we miss Verse 15, as we kind of read through that story, verse 15, I think, is super, super important to grab a hold of here because I think what Jesus is doing is not only warning them, but he's warning all of us. And here's what he's warning. Be wary of the yeast or the leaven of a legalistic mindset. That's what he's saying because that's what the Pharisees had, yes? And so he's saying, be wary of how that legalist mindset can weave itself into your life and start to grow like yeast in bread. Be careful. And be wary 
of the yeast of Herod. Now, what did Herod represent? Herod represented the, polit- the political situation of the, of the world right then. Herod is not just a king there. Herod was the four kings in that time. And I think Jesus was saying, hey, be careful. Don't let the yeast of legalism get in there. And be careful. Don't let the yeast of political agendas get in there as well. Church, we need to base our understanding of things that are going on politically in this word right here. And we have to stand on this word for those things. I'm not going to isolate issues right now, but just think about the world we live in right now and what people are fighting for and just ask yourself, is it in this word? Because we should be fighting for the things that are in the word of God, not what, whatever the political agenda is, yes? And Jesus said, beware. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, that religious mindset. Beware of the yeast of the political things that are going on. He's giving us a warning. Don't get caught up in thinking about bread, which is exactly what the disciples did, yes? Let's take that warning to heart and ask the Lord, what, that, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? Amen? You guys good? I don't want anybody to leave here with any condemnation or any guilt um, but I always pray that the sweet conviction of the Lord hits all of our hearts, yes? All right, we have an interruption, so. Um, just something that came to my heart when you were talking about the story of Peter. Um, so many times we say, at least in me, I, I hear that as he rebuked him, like, get behind me, Satan. And I think what um, he was telling Peter in the light of what you were saying is, Realign yourself. Get back behind me and follow me. Yes. Don't don't get off in the. I love that. I'm glad you said that because actually in my notes and I almost missed it, but I wanted to conclude with this. I think two things that strike me that Jesus exemplified as we read through Mark is number one, he only did what the Father told him to do. So get in line with the Father, right? And number two, he did not get caught up in the religious or the political agendas of the day. He did only what the Father did. And when you graft yourself into him, you will have the correct response when it comes to these other areas. Amen? Amen. But when you're doing it in your flesh, that's where we get in trouble. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this word. And God, I, uh, I merely just scratched the surface of these two chapters. There's just so much, so much we can learn from from the stories of, of you, Jesus, following the invitation from the Father to come with him. And so, Lord, I pray that where I fell short or any area that I lacked, that you, Holy Spirit, would come in and make up for the difference. And, Lord, we pray that you would convict our hearts of areas where we have placed human tradition, our own system, our own methodology, instead of grafting into what you would have us do. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us each and every day the things that we have allowed to get in in the way of your commands and your instructions for our lives. God, as it was said earlier, it brings freedom when we die to ourselves and die to those human traditions and replace them with you. 
And so, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to replace those things with you. And ultimately, God, put us in a place where we, every single one of us, would be willing to allow your Holy Spirit to show us the areas that we need to deny ourselves in, where we need to take up a cross, where we need to give over the identity that that we are making up of ourselves and we give it over to you so that we can understand our identity that you you created us to have. God, I pray that this church, that every person listening to me right now would wake up in the morning with a confidence because they are the son or daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And God, help us to live from that place and not from the place that the world would tell us. God, we thank you We thank you for the fact that you fearfully and wonderfully made us. Help us to remember that and help us to know that you care for us so deeply that you know the number of hairs on our head. God, you know each one of us by name. Lord, reveal to us how you see us and help us to live from that place. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Everybody said, Amen. amen.